morning to you as well. It's just been really good to have been here this morning to be with you, <coughs> to sing together, to think together, um, and just be in the presence of each one of you. It just it, we we give and we take by seeing each other. It, it's a uh, something. Uh, it's a strengthening. It's an encouragement to see your faces, and just good to be here. And uh, welcome, Travis and Geneva, this morning. God bless you. <coughs> and welcome. I think that's the only visitors this morning. <clears throat> so today we're going to, I'm, I'm looking at a, a, a um, th- what the sermon is about today is discipleship. And I was challenged with the fact that um, in the past when I uh, either spoke on this or I heard people and preachers speak about it, it I always got the feeling that, okay, this is just something else we have to do to add to our um, lives. As busy as we already are, we, I don't want to put something else uh, on it for us to, to do. And it, what I want to bring out today, that discipleship is about being more so than doing. <clears throat> I heard a quote yesterday that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And immediately, because I wasn't quite sure what I was going to speak on, but sometimes as all of us who know that speak or teach or whatever, we kind of look for things from God, some inspiration that says, yeah, that'll go with this or "That'll, that'll go with that verse and so on. And so that was one of those moments yesterday. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I had a question I'm, I'm going to ask you. Which then is more important, the student or the teacher? I don't know if there's really an answer. Depending on which way you look at it, if there's no students, why is there a need for any teacher? If there's no teachers, what are the students going to do if there are some? And so they're both equally important, and the important part I think about it is in our lives is that we're both. They're inter- maybe interchangeable, but there's times, even now, and I, I'm wondering this morning when I was kind of like still going through it and going over it again, I thought about this, that as older ones, I don't know how you experience it or how you feel, but I'm finding out that it's, it's, it's almost more important for me to be a student. I'm still a student, and I still want to learn. But I'm also a teacher, and it, it, I think in all of our lives, it's that way. There's moments when you give, either as a, a, a teacher or a, a pastor, or an evangelist, or a prophet, or something. And at the same time, maybe an hour later, you're, you're a student. Somebody is teaching you. And that's the beauty of a community like this, or a, or a uh, believers in general is that we are both 
So when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I'll give you some examples in, in my life as we go through here today. And I want to, uh, again, just re, uh, emphasize that I, want, I don't want this to be something where you feel like, oh, it's just something else we have to do. We have to disciple people. But it's something that you are. And it just happens as you go about your life and your day. There's moments when we have to stop and uh, uh, prepare perhaps for a topic or something or a devotion and then teach that and share that. But generally, it's life as you, as you walk it out. For the scripture, I want to go to Matthew 28, the last three verses, 18, 19, and 20. We're all familiar with it, where Jesus <clears throat> instructs his disciples on this subject of I'm, I'm just going to uh, title this message, Disciples, because that's what we are. <clears throat> Verse 18, chapter 28 of Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> and God bless the reading of his word. And there's other scriptures too that I want to share with you as we go through this morning's sermon. Make disciples. How does, how does one make disciples? And Jesus just simply said that because he has the authority, therefore he is sending out the 12 that were with him, 11 at this point, I believe it was, or had they replaced Matthew already? I think maybe they did. And he says to them, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. He doesn't necessarily get to the details of how to do that. He just says, go make disciples. So for us, how, does, how, does, how do I make a disciple of you? How do you make a disciple of me? There's a slogan that goes this way. One of my uh, friends uh, preacher, teacher, when he talks about disciples and making uh, and, and this, this, this discussion or this topic of discipleship, he says, be one, make one. <clears throat> so I have three things that I want to share with you uh, in, in how this is, I guess we could say, walked out in, in our lives. The first one is share the word. The second one is show the word. And the third one is teach the word. And they're all kind of intermingle with each other as, as we are going through life and as we help each other become better disciples of Christ. So the first one, share the word. We speak about the gospel as we live according to the gospel. In other words, our lives do the teaching. And sometimes we use words. Sometimes we preach and we use words or we evangelize and and even in singing, we're, we're helping to make disciples. And, and uh, we speak about the gospel as we live according to the gospel. The way we, what we know about God and, the, and we walk it out is the gospel that we're sharing to others. And it, it is, we're di discipling others. And if we think about it here, Jesus was not telling these 11 guys on a mountain to pair up and disciple each other, necessarily. 
It'll happen, but what he was telling these now is because they have been his disciples that they should go out and do what he himself had been doing. He was telling them to reach out to the people who have been reached with the gospel and are beginning their journey in the gospel. Now, a lot of times in our discipling others, first thing is obviously we need to have to, to be born again in our hearts is when it begins, and then we disciple each other as we go through life. We reach out to people in our everyday lives as we meet them anywhere. And sometimes when you meet people, there is a kindred of spirits. You know that they are followers of God. You know they're believers. And it takes on a different kind of discipling thing. You, you talk about God and you encourage each other and so on. And remember, this is why you have the Spirit of God inside you. That is to speak the gospel. What is the gospel? What are we talking about when we're saying we need to share the gospel? We share the word with each other and to new believers and to people who don't believe. We share the gospel. In Matthew 9, 23, it says, And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The word gospel in the Greek means good news. And so this is good news. I want to ask you, do you enjoy getting good news? Or should I ask, how many of you do not enjoy getting good news? I hope nobody would raise their hands. I enjoy getting good news. It's, it's fun. It's inspiring. It's I was going to ask, I'm going to ask the children, like those of you who, who are in school, going to school every day and you get tired of it, right? You, you want it just to stop? Sky is different. She is shaking her head. No, she, does. she loves it. Peyton loves it too. So the question I was going to ask the children, when it's really snowy and you get a call, what is good news to you in that situation? If I'm making my questions clear. What is the good news when somebody calls and says, school is canceled? Isn't that good news? <laughs> Lincoln agrees with me. It was for me too. <laughs> Next question then is, do you enjoy giving good news? Sharing it with somebody? Yeah, I do too. I like to be the bearer of good news. And sometimes people come to you and say, you want the good news first or the bad news? <laughs> I never like that. Because you know you're in for something or something's coming that's not fun. But good news I enjoy getting and giving. And so this gospel, if we know it as good news and have experienced it to a degree that it's, it's a part of us so much that as we go about our daily lives, we're sharing that good news in some way. Even our demeanor somehow how we react to situations. People watch us. People watch you. In verse 19 it says, make disciples of all nations. And nations here I believe is referring to all tribes, all families, all clans, and all peoples. All people groups all over the world. And obeying the Great Commission, which is what has the theologians and people have termed uh, these verses that I read in Matthew 28. Obeying the Great Commission will mean not only serving our neighbors, but also the world. 
and we are to make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> that was my first point in sharing the word, and the second is showing the word. And I think this is kind of where the meat is of, of our lives in discipling other people, to showing them how to live a Christian life and what it's all about. It's not so much teaching, again, I would say, as living it. And I had, uh, my brother Dennis was one of, uh, 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 was an older brother and one of my heroes. I, I just told my sister yesterday that I think that of all the seven boys, Dennis was the true leader of all of us. And then he passed in 2008. And I remember as an eight-year-old boy, we were living in Indiana. We were Amish. We farmed with horses. And uh, I wasn't old enough really to to do much in the field with the horses, but this was in the winter, and Dad had bought ear corn from a farmer that was approximately, in my memories, five miles from us maybe, but as a little boy of eight years old, that was 100 miles, almost like, and this was a cold day when Dad instructed Dennis and me to go get corn with the horses, and a wagon, and this wagon I remember was almost new, it was red, and we go and sit on the wagon, and you see the Amish around here, and they're just like, looks like they are freezing, and that's what I became that day as an eight-year-old boy. My brother Dennis would have been uh, 13 at the time, and so, 12 or 13. So we drive up to the place where we get corn, and we loaded the corn, I don't remember a lot of those details, but I was cold. But by the time we got it loaded, we're, we were kind of warm, and then we go home, and we got really cold. And my brother Dennis saw that I was really freezing and just sitting there. And so he stopped the horses right on the road, and he said, Laverne, why don't we get off the wagon, and we walk beside the wagon to warm up? And so we did. And then he had the horses go pretty fast and gallop, where we had to run to keep up beside the horse or beside the wagon. And we warmed up. We got on back. He stopped the horses. We got back on the wagon, and we went on home. That was discipleship to me. I didn't know it then. But I think back of that. I'll never forget it for some reason. That was the leader in Dennis that he saw that his little brother needed a little bit of something to warm himself up. There was no other way to warm up, really. There absolutely wasn't. He showed me. He walked with me. He ran with me. And together we warmed up. That's what discipleship is. You, you disciple other people by walking with them, running with them, praying with them, talking with them. A servant in Proverbs 29, 19, there's an interesting verse that I found. And it says this, A servant cannot be corrected by words. Though he understands, he will not respond. And what I think it's talking about there is that we need to show. Not only use words, but show each other how to live and become closer to God. Once we share the word and the people put their faith in Christ, we baptize them. That's another way of showing because Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because baptism symbolizes an identification with Christ, and it shows that 
It shows the entry uh, or, or inclusion in the body of Christ. Disciple-making is not about sharing the gospel with people and then leaving them on their own to figure it out. Instead, we show them how to follow Christ on a daily basis by doing just that, following Christ. And Paul said in one uh, scripture, it just came to my mind right now, follow me as I follow Christ. Can we say that? Are we confident enough? In the good news, has it affected our lives enough that we're confident that way as Paul was? Follow me as I follow Christ. Ephesians 2 in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Showing the word to each other. This is why we can never limit making disciples to a weekly meeting in a classroom. Making disciples is what happens when we walk through life together, showing, observing each other, praying, studying the Bible, leading others to Christ, growing in Christ together. I'd mentioned just a little bit before, like, believers are watched. We are watched, and we don't even know it. That's how new believers learn. That's how the young ones will learn. That's how us old ones learn, is watching you. Young ones can be disciples, teachers to me. I learn from you. My dad was one of those that I watched. Cletus Miller was another one of those that I watched. I not only watched them, but I observed how they would react in tense situations. How their demeanor was when they were around women. How they, how they interacted and what they did and didn't do. I remember one time we was on a job and <laughs> this, this just came to my mind. I like to tell stories because they connect us with each other because you all have stories too. This was a day that things were not going well in our company when we were pouring concrete and I was working for my dad. We had other employees that weren't family and they were around and they observed my dad too. This became so real that day. My dad was down in the, in, the, in the basement shoveling mud away from where the concrete was going to be poured in the footer. And something had happened that morning. A truck had broke down or something, and somebody called and told Dad. A little bit later, there was another truck had a flat tire or something, and th this wasn't going to happen, and that wasn't going to happen. There was two or three things, just one after another. And the report came to dad, and I was watching him too, how he would respond, and the non-family member was as well. And dad would always just say, okay, we'll see what we can do. Or he wouldn't respond. He would go on shoveling. <laughs> but he was always the one that made the decision. He never, that day in particular, he never got riled out, out of proportion. He never threw the shovel and jumped out of the basement, nothing, nothing like that. Actually, he never did that in my recollection. And the guy that was standing over there observing how my dad would react with all this news about things breaking down, he said, boy, 
I have never seen a reaction like that when things go bad. But dad's demeanor stayed the same. And he said, we'll figure it out. People watch you when you are working, when you are shopping, when whatever you're doing. There is somebody watching you. And we watch people too. You watch some. You have somebody that is a mentor of sorts. You have somebody. That's what discipleship is. <clears throat> Believers are watched. One of my f- dad's favorite songs was Farther Along, We'll Know More About It. Farther Along, We'll Understand Why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it better by and by, I think is the way that that goes. But sometimes you'd hear him sing that. He was a great mentor, and I don't think he intended to be. He was dad. I'm so blessed to call him and have him had as my dad. Number three is teaching the word. We, we share a little bit about sharing the word, showing the word, and we're going to talk a little bit about teaching the word. In verse 19, Jesus had said to them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. As followers of Jesus, we, just don't, we don't just receive the word, we are to reproduce the word. <clears throat> now, there's some in the church that have the gift of teaching, and it just comes, and, and they, they just do it so well. And some of us may take the, the the, the path and say, well, I just don't have the gift of teaching. I, I just won't be a missionary. I just won't do this or that. But you have a gift that you can share and be a, a discipler. God has not made you just to sit on the, on the pew and do nothing or just sit at home and just feel like you're no good. God has made you and has given you gifts. Maybe it's the gift of hospitality. Maybe it's the gift of sharing, caring, doing deeds to each, for each other. Walk in that and be proud of what God has given you. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it says, So these were the gifts that Christ gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, and others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service and so to build up the body of Christ. So every disciple of Jesus is intended to saturate his or her words with God's words, meaning that our lives... um, need to be immersed. The word here that I have on my notes is saturated, but another word is immerse ourselves in the words of God and God himself. As we're always, it seems like in our lives, if we know it or not, it seems like we're always teaching or always being taught. <clears throat> I wanted to read a uh, couple verses in Philippians, and I didn't put them in my my notes, so I'm going to turn to them. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. And Paul is saying this, Therefore, my loved ones, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For the one working in you is God, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And it seems like there is something about this scripture that he is he is telling us that he has put something else, something, not else, something in us, being his spirit, his, himself. He has worked in us a righteousness. Now it's up to us to 
to live that out. In other words, to work, let it come out, to, to work it out and let other people see it. In the Living Bible, in Zechariah 4, I want to read seven verses there, and we're coming to the end here. Um, this is about us being <clears throat> filled with God, walking with God in such a way that, that at the end of life and at the end of whatever, maybe the end of our day, we can declare that it is by grace alone that we are either the student or the teacher. Verse 1, it says, Then the angel who had been talking with me, Zechariah, woke me as though I had been asleep. And the angel said, What do you see now? And I answered, I see a gold lampstand holding seven lamps, and at the top there is a reservoir for the olive oil that feeds the lamps, flowing into them through seven tubes. And I see two olive trees carved upon the lampstand, one on each side of the reservoir. What is it? I ask. What does this mean? That's Zechariah asking the angel. And the angel said, don't you really know? And he said, no, I don't. Then the angel said, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. Sorry, I had that name wrong. It's Zerubbabel. Then he said, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit. Though you are weak, though you are few and weak, Therefore, no mountain, however high, can stand before Zerubbabel, for it will flatten out before him. And Zerubbabel will finish building this temple with mighty shouts of thanksgiving for God's mercy, declaring that all was done by grace alone. You will succeed as disciplers, as disciples. As you are being taught or you're or you're a, uh, either if you're a student or if you are the teacher. I believe you will succeed because of my spirit, because of his spirit, God's spirit. Though you are few and weak, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Sometimes you're a student. Sometimes you're a teacher. And I thank God for you. In the things that I have learned and, and, and uh, been taught, things you have said, things you have, think, who you are, <laughs> who you continue to be, and your faithfulness to Christ and his word, in the very simple thing of showing up Sundays for fellowship together teaches me something, your faithfulness. And it teaches me in a larger perspective of God's faithfulness, which is who we have to do, with whom we have to do in the end of life. God bless you today. I want to pray. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that you have put within us, your good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can be, we can be born again. We can have part in not only life eternal, but experience goodness of God, the faithfulness of God here through our lives as we intertwine, as we interact, as we 
fellowship together and we teach and we are students of each other. I thank you for my dad, my older brothers, for Irvin, Jim, Bob, Leon, Charlie, Jamie, Sam, all of those guys who have been a part of my life who have, in essence, mentored me in some way or another about who you are and about who you are not. I thank you, God, for loving us today, drawing us closer to you. You woo us and you, bring, you beckon us. You, you, you have set eternity in our hearts and therefore we want you. We will never be satisfied until we have you. So I pray a blessing, a prayer of blessing on the people today. You, the blessing from the kingdom of heaven. Draw their hearts to you. Bless them with a good day and a good week. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. <clears throat>